Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. Well, you know, with it being the new year, uh, we often make New Year's resolutions, right? Uh, It's one of the things that many people do. So uh, maybe one of them for you is to live healthier. You're like, you know, uh, this year after dinner, when I get an urge to snack on those chips or those Oreos, I'm just going to go for water instead. Right? Or maybe you're, uh, you're, you're, you want to resolve to being more active, so you're going to go on more walks or just be, uh, you know, do some more workouts here or there. Or, or maybe you're like, you know what, this year is going to be the year that I read more. Because, you know, today a reader, tomorrow a leader. So you decide when you watch your favorite shows to turn on the subtitles. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> Uh, So what sort of New Year's resolutions are you going to make this next year? Uh, Recently, I I came across this survey uh, that asked Canadians what their resolutions were going to be for 2023. So take a look at this. Uh, 29.5% said they want to improve personal fitness and nutrition. Uh, Then others said they want to focus on financial goals and Career growth, improving relationships, traveling more, learning a new skill, quitting bad habits, and spiritual growth. Isn't that interesting? Uh, When you think about some of the goals and resolutions you want to have over this next year, which category would you place them in? I get that some of you are like, eh, New Year's resolutions. They're the worst, and it's probably because you're in that 14.1% uh, category of people who don't make any, and, and that's okay too. Regardless of what you call them, uh, I guess the point of this is that it's good to be, uh, it's good to take initiative and to set some goals, whatever you, whatever you want to call them. It's good to set some goals in our lives and work toward them, isn't it? Like, that's a good thing for us to do. Uh, so as we wrap up our series today in Philippians, our season finale, so to say, uh, I would love for us to read the last few verses to discern what these verses might be saying, what God might be saying to you regarding this, this next year and setting some goals. Okay, so take a look here. Verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now I want to invite you to just read through that verse one more time. And as you read through it, uh, what pops out to you in these verses? Are there any words? Is there anything here that jumps out to you? Maybe it's greeting. Any, anyone greeting? I mean, it's repeated three different times in this passage. Uh, at the end of this letter to the church in Philippi, Paul isn't just passing on pleasantries, you know, inconsequential remarks that don't really mean anything. Uh, no, these are his last words. So Paul here is expressing what's important to him, and, and what's important to him are relationships. 
when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he wasn't writing to just yet another city and another group of people that he had never met before. No, he knew the people in Philippi because he had invested in relationships with them. So in verse 21, when he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus, he's saying, hey, can you say hi to my friends for me? In this verse, he doesn't say greet all the saints. He says greet every saint. Now that's in particular very interesting because usually when Paul refers to a group of people or to a congregation, he, he uses the plural. But here in this verse, he's using the singular. He's saying greet every saint. That's the singular instead of saying greet all the saints, which is plural. And he's doing that because he wants to make sure that at the end of this letter, every person in the Philippian community experiences personal greetings. And this, is, this really shows us that Paul really did have so much history and relationships with the people in the Philippians, with the Philippians. And, he, and he wants to ensure that they, just, that, they, that they know his heart, that they get his heart and experience that personal greeting. Uh, the other thing that we notice here in verse 21 that is that he refers to them as a saint, as saints in Christ Jesus, right? Verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to flip back to the very first verse in Philippians, you would notice that he uses the exact same language there. He says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. He calls them saints, now, when Paul refers to the Philippians as saints, he isn't uh, randomly using this word because he couldn't think of anything else, right? It wasn't like he was writing this letter and he was like, greet every person. Person? No, that's not, that's not personal enough. Greet every mortal. No, that doesn't sound right either. Greet every... Uh, Saint, saint, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I think that describes them. Saints in Christ. That's not what he did, right? Like it wasn't just this random. I'm just going to pull out this adjective, and in this letter, it just by chance happens to be saint. No, that's not what he did here. He was rather very intentionally calling them saints because he rem wanted to remind them of something. He wanted to remind them that they are God's people, that they are dedicated together to God and that they are in this together. So let me explain. When you read that word saint and when he refers to them as saints, he wanted them first and foremost to recognize that they are God's people, that we are God's people. Uh, before Jesus came to earth, Israel was uniquely God's people. Like no nation could call themselves God's people except Israel. So take a look at Israel, uh, Exodus 19, verse five and six. This is God speaking to the Israelites. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. So after Jesus came, he uh, tore down the dividing wall of hostility that separated the Israelites from everyone else through his death and resurrection. 
So in Christ Jesus, those who are far from God can now be brought near. So here in Philippians, when Paul refers to them as saints in Christ Jesus, what he's doing is he's announcing to them that they are now God's people. That it's not just the Israelites, but everyone who draws near to Jesus can be a part of God's family. So it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your skin color is, what language you speak, or who you know. What we see here is that there is now no Jew or Greek because of Jesus, no slave or free, male or female, since you're all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are part of a new family. And you know, this is such good news because I don't know about you, but oftentimes our expectations and our desire of what we want our family to be doesn't always line up with reality, right? Sometimes we want these big family gatherings, or we want a family, or, or we want to be with someone else, but we're not. Or maybe there's been some um, division in our families, and, and this last Christmas and New Year's wasn't the way that you had hoped it to be. Sometimes our expectation and reality, they don't meet up when it comes to family. So when we read here that we are saints in Christ Jesus, what we read is that, yes, even though for most of us, our expectation of family doesn't meet up with, with our reality of family doesn't meet up with our expectations, the good news is that we are part of a new family that we are part of a huge family of brothers and sisters in Christ forever. A greater family, because we're adopted. And our status changes from lost to found and from orphan to saint. So that's what it means when we read saints in Christ Jesus, greet every saint, you are a saint in Christ Jesus, we need to first recognize that that means we are a part of a new family, the family of God. But that phrase also means that we are to dedicate ourselves to God as well. That we are dedicated to God. Now in the original language, that word saint is translated as one who is dedicated to God or, or that which is holy. So that means a saint in Christ Jesus can be someone who is dedicated to Christ Jesus and living a life that's holy and pleasing to God. This reminds me of Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, what an incredible description of what it means to be a saint in Christ Jesus. A saint in Christ Jesus is someone, as we see in Romans 12, that dedicates themselves to God because all that they have, all that they are, is laid bare before God. That's how they live their lives. A saint in Christ Jesus is someone who sees all of their life and the way that they live their life as worship. 
And as we see in verse 2, the saint in Christ Jesus is someone who is not conformed to this age because they don't listen to the lies that are so often being spoken to us about what we do and who we are. But rather, a saint in Christ Jesus is someone who is transformed by the renewing of our minds. So being a saint in Christ Jesus, yes, means that we are also uh, dedicating ourselves to God, but, but it also means, lastly, that, that being a saint in Christ Jesus means that we are t- in this together with others. We're not on our own, but we're in this together. Uh, just take a look at the end of verse 21 and 22 in Philippians 4. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Now Paul here is reminding the Philippians that they aren't by themselves, that they're, that they're not on their own, but that the brothers who are with him are also with them, and that the broader circle of believers in Rome are also in this together with the Philippians. Now in this verse, at the end of verse 22, he says something interesting. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Now that's a neat statement because what that means is that Paul has either found disciples or made disciples during his imprisonment and in and amongst Caesar's household. Isn't that incredible? I mean, no matter where we are, we can find saints in Christ Jesus. We can find fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where we are, even if we feel like we're alone. You know, this ought to remind us that following Jesus was never intended to be a solo endeavor that you do from home once a week while streaming a service online. That's not what it means to be a follower of Christ. Being a follower of Christ means that we uphold one another. That we hold one another's arms up when we can't hold them up. Right, when we don't have enough strength to sing, where we allow others to sing for us. Where we lean on one another and we are of help to others. And the only way that we can do that is when we see one another with our eyes. Right, when we are together with each other. That's why when we talk about our practices as being gathering, growing, giving, and going, we always have that word together because you can't actually be a disciple and make disciples unless you're with, together with others. And that's why in in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about being a body of Christ. I mean, just take a look, 1 Corinthians 12, starting from verse 14, he talks about us, the church, as a body. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. We are not one part, but we are many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. In other words, Every part of the body is important. Now what that means is if one of us doesn't show up, it affects the rest. And you know that, right? If you've ever sprained an ankle or, or broken a 
bone in your body, you know that it's not just that part of the body that hurts, but your whole body feels it, right? And your whole body needs to adjust to the difference in that you can't use your hand anymore or you can't do this. And and that's not only true of outward external parts, but it's true inside as well if your kidney's not working. If your liver isn't processing well, if, 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 if any part of our body, if any one part of our body doesn't work, it affects the rest. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying not just our human body, he's saying that when one of us doesn't show up, it affects the rest, that we are not islands onto ourselves. You know, I love how Pastor Drake talked about it last week. He said that as a church, we are called to be interdependent with one another. Not independent and not codependent, but interdependent. So being a saint in Christ Jesus is about recognizing that we are actually in this together. And that Jesus is the center of our hearts, of our lives, of our church and our community. And that if we want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done in Edmonton, It requires all of us to play a part. You know, I think sometimes we think uh, some are spectators and others are players. But when it comes to accomplishing our vision to awaken greater Edmonton to King Jesus, no one's a spectator. We're all players. We're all on the team. And we're all on the ice in different ways. When you see the end of Philippians 4, this is exactly what Paul was thinking and reminding the Philippians when he said, greet every saint. Not some saints, not all the saints, but every single individual saint who has a role in the body of Christ critical and crucial role in the body of Christ. Greet every saint. No one is hidden. No one's in the background. No one has a minor role to play. No, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. In other words, friends, we are in this together. Well, Uh, In verse 23, Paul finishes this letter off with a blessing. Take a look. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Uh, Have you ever heard people using that phrase, blessed? Like, I I, I feel so blessed. Uh, They might uh, post a picture of themselves. They just shot a a 10-point buck, right? And they're like, blessed. I got a 10-point buck, right? Or, or it's a picture of them with their dream partner and they're like, blessed. Or it's you and your, uh, your, your pet, your cute pet, and you're like, blessed. Or, or you just got into med school or, or you, you're with your car, right? And you just souped up your car, whatever it is. And you're like, blessed. <laughs> like, have you ever seen people do that? It kind of feels like they're showing off, and and maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but there's this thing that a lot of us do, a lot of people do, and that they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. Well, that's not what Paul's doing here in this last verse. 
when Paul finishes this letter off with a blessing, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's a blessing. When he finishes this off, he's not, he's not saying that to the Philippians so that they all live blessed lives, right? Or to, to, to conjure up some material blessings. That's not what he's doing. What he's saying here in this blessing is he's reminding them of the incredible grace that we have and can experience in Jesus Christ. This is the grace, the grace of Jesus, that it's the grace of Jesus that sustains us, that it's the grace of Jesus that leads us in our daily lives, that it's the grace of Jesus that, direct, that directs our thoughts, that guides our actions, that should fill all of our relationships, and that it's the grace of Jesus that should lead the way and should fill everywhere we go, everywhere we live, work, study, and play that it's the grace of Jesus that should lead and guide us. So he's finishing this letter off with a blessing uh, because as the new people of God, right before Jesus, the Israelites were the people of God. Now after Jesus, we are the people of God. All of us are the people of God. And he's saying that as the new people of God, as saints in Christ Jesus, we are called to carry on the original mission that the Israelites failed to do. Take a look at Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, this was the original blessing and mission for the people of God. Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Friends, the Israelites were intended to originally be the blessed children of God who were called to bless others. The Israelites were blessed not to hold the blessing to themselves or blessed because they had done anything in significance or in particular. No, the Israelites were blessed not for their sake, but they were blessed to be a blessing. Somewhere along the way, they focused on the first couple verses and they're like, yeah, God's gonna make us into a great nation. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna bless us. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they walked around with their chins raised probably a little bit too high and they're like, yeah, we are the people of God. Yes, you are, we are, and we are a holy nation, a holy people, and they had completely forgotten Somewhere along the way, what it said in verse three, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. <laughs> you know when Jesus says to his disciples, you are the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. Like The Israelites were supposed to be the original salt of the earth. The Israelites were supposed to be the original light of the world and a city on a hill that cannot be hidden but they hoarded it all to themselves. They kept that blessing to themselves. How often do we do this, hey? We know that we are redeemed. We know that we are rescued. We know that we have experienced restoration in Christ. And that we have literally the gospel, the good news, the greatest news and we're kind of just content holding it to ourselves. 
And then we look at the Israelites and we're like, oh, Israelites, you guys, like, you can't believe that you held it to yourselves. Did you not see? And we're wagging our fingers at them when in fact we should be wagging it at ourselves. So through this blessing in Philippians 4, Paul is gently reminding them. He's saying, hey, now greet everyone, greet, you know, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And, and then he ends this with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He's saying, hey, everywhere you go, may you remember that as God's new holy people, everywhere you go, may you carry the fragrance of Christ and light up every room you go into. Everywhere you go, may you recognize that that salt that is intended to preserve was not just so that you would live a blessed and long and holy life, but it was so that you would share that salt with those around you. May you remember, oh Philippians, that you are blessed to be a blessing. Isn't that a good thing to start this new year off with, to remember that we are blessed to be a blessing. That through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are now God's holy people. That we are God's chosen nation. So as you start this new year off, let's, let's pull up the, the original resolutions. Let's not Let's not worry about all of it. It's, it's fine if you want to make goals in any of these categories. That's okay. It's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But instead of focusing on this for this next year, what do you think it would look like if our resolution, if together, if every single one of us made the resolution, the commitment, the goal, to be a blessing everywhere we live, work, study, and play? I mean, imagine what would happen in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families, if we decided to not hold the blessing to ourselves, but share it with others. Now, at Beulah, there's a way that we talk about this, and it's called bless. And, and when you came in, you probably received one of these. Uh, if you're online, you can go to beulah.family and, and download one of these, because we're going to be walking through it. So I'd love for you to pull this out if you didn't receive one, uh, one per group of people, uh, then just raise your hand up really high and, and our ushers at all of our campuses, just raise your hand up high and our ushers will go around and they're gonna look for the, the hands and, and they'll bring you a copy, okay? Um, so just keep your hand raised up high and then our ushers will, will come forward and, and bring a copy to you. But if you have one of these, uh, I'd love for you to open up just to the first page here and you'll see a call out that says, um, it's, it's above the letters bless. And bless stands for begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and story. And, and I love what this call out says because this call out is why we do this and why we're talking about this right now. Okay? It says, if you do at least one of these blessed practices every day, you will not only look more like Jesus, but you will help others find Jesus too. So this next year, as we live out um, as, as, as we live out our lives, as we live out our blessing, not holding the blessing to ourselves, but, but committing to share it to others, sharing it with others, um, practicing this 
what we're about to walk through uh, is not only one way for us to live out our identity as saints in Christ Jesus, and it's not only one way to be the salt of the earth and to share the love and light of Jesus with, ev- with everyone around us, but actually, um, we'll actually draw near to Jesus when we do this. Okay, so uh, open up to uh, the big spread here and you'll see the orange that says begin with prayer. So let's start there. Um, imagine what would happen if, if every day we woke up and we began our days with prayer. Right? When, after you snooze that alarm or, or turn it off, instead of beginning your day with Facebook or beginning your day with the news, what would it look like if you were to begin your day with prayer? And, and maybe your prayer would look like what it says on the front cover here, uh, Isaiah 6-8. And you begin your prayer with, Lord, here I am, send me. And imagine what your day would look like. Imagine your posture in life and in all your relationships. If you were to begin your day praying, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Or maybe your prayer would look like this. God, may your kingdom come and will be done. Please provide me with an opportunity today to bless someone or some place. Help me be aware of your presence and your leading today. So as you began your day with prayer, that could look like praying for people or places, right? So if you look at the bottom part, places first, uh, what, what do you think it would look like this next year if you were to, uh, everywhere you went, right? if you sensed pain, if pain existed here, you prayed for healing. And wherever you went, you were like, yeah, who makes the decisions here? And instead of critiquing the decisions, you prayed for integrity and discernment and leadership. And then you ask, okay, who gathers here? And you pray for community. And then what resources are needed here? And you pray for provision. And then when you examine everyone that you live, work, study, and play with, um, instead of just being and just having relationships or going about your daily lives, what would it look like this next year to intentionally pray for at least three people. Maybe you would even want to write their names down and intentionally pray and ask Jesus this next year to do a work in their lives, to draw them near to himself so that they would be and experience the blessing of Christ, the blessing of new life in him. Well, after we begin our days with prayer, uh, you see the next one says, listen. And um, listening, we can listen to God, we can listen to others, we can listen to ourselves, but, but after we begin our days with prayer and we, and we talk and we pray to God, prayer is also listening, right? So what would it look like then to listen and ask, okay, yeah, Lord, who do you want me to be with? Who do you want me to connect with today? Uh, is there a margin in your calendar to be able to listen in the word, in reading the word? And then listen to others. You know, I, I, I find that listening is a lost art. And, and I'm not talking about not talking when someone else is talking because you're thinking about what you're going to say next. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about really listening, like, like being present in the conversation. Not just waiting for your turn to speak, but, but being so intently interested in the other person. I, that's a good way of thinking about it, right? Being so interested in the conversation and in the person that you're not even thinking about saying what you want to say or, or sharing about yourself because you're, you're just asking all these follow-up questions because you're genuinely interested in the other person. Well, what would it look like if we were to be 
expert listeners <laughs> revived the art of listening over this next year to those we live, work, study, and play with. And then we also was, were aware, right, listening to ourselves, also were aware that we all have biases and assumptions in our conversations and in who we connect with. Right, so as you begin your day with prayer, as you listen, uh, the next letter is eat. And, and I love this because I love eating, but um, not only that, but it says here in the first bullet point, Jesus often ate with people and shared in their story. Uh, this spring, we just finished Philippians, and uh, this spring we're going to be starting a journey in the book of Mark, uh, the gospel of Mark, and we're going to be seeing just how much Jesus loved hanging out with people, blessing others, but also eating. You're going to notice that. Uh, but eating is one of the fastest ways to move a relationship from acquaintance to friendship. So think about your week, right? I mean, we all have uh, 21 meals. I mean, roughly, I know some of you eat more and others of you eat less because you, you, know, you, you do intermittent fasting. Um, but regardless of the number of meals you have in a week, uh, what would it look like if one meal or one coffee a week or every other week, you were to intentionally reach out to someone who is far from God, a neighbor, a family member, a coworker, a classmate, and just had lunch with them, or had dinner with them, or had a coffee with them, and just intentionally spent time with them. Not, not because you had this agenda of things that you wanted to talk about, but, but literally just because you want to build a relationship with them. And you're like, but I don't know what to talk about. Well, just ask questions. You don't need to talk. Just ask questions. Listen. Be genuinely interested in the other person and just develop a friendship with them. Imagine what would happen if we were to do that. Not only with people who are far from God, but, but someone else. If you're not connected in community with, with a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Well, after we eat um, and we begin with prayer, listen, and then eat, what's going to happen is natural opportunities will come and arise to serve uh, and I love this. Who can you serve this week? Who do you know that has a practical need? Uh, ask them how you can help them. And what's going to happen is in your day in and day out relationships, natural opportunities will arise for you to serve those you live, work, study, and play with. And as you do that, and as you develop a relationship with them, this last S is going to happen. They're going to ask you about your story. And there's going to come an opportunity in a moment where they're going to ask you why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do. And, and you can just naturally share in that trusted relationship. Well, yeah, I mean, I, this is my story. This is how I met Jesus. This is who Jesus is to me. Do you know who Jesus is? And then begin sharing the story of God with them. You know, this uh, upcoming year, imagine what would happen in our workplaces and our neighborhoods and our schools if if our resolution was to live out these five simple practices of blessing uh, these aren't these aren't awkward uh, this is actually a really I, I i love this phrase it's a radically ordinary way to live radically ordinary this is radically ordinary hospitality uh, several years ago when we were still living in Nashville, uh, we were regularly, we had been over, over the years been building up uh, quite the relationship with a lot of our neighbors. And they were inviting us over to their house. We were inviting them over to ours. We were hanging out outside our homes. Uh, we do that here as well in Edmonton. 
Um, but I just wanted to share this one story with you where, where this one neighbor, we were over at their place and our, our middle daughter, this was several years ago, so she might have been about, around eight. Uh, she had gone to a conversation with, with our, our, one of our neighbors. She was like probably mid-40s and, and they were just talking about faith and, and church and Jesus. And later on that evening, our daughter uh, came up to us and, and she was like, hey, uh, is it okay if I share my daily devotional with our neighbor? And she had one of these daily devotionals. It was like kind of the, the, those calendars that you flip every day and it had Bible verses, jokes, cartoons. It was, it was, it was, it was a fun little thing. Um, it was a way for her to become interested in the scriptures and, and learn and memorize the word and all that. So, so she shared that with our neighbor. A month went by and, and our neighbor came and, and handed this back to our, our, one of our daughters and, and said, hey, I just want to thank you for this. I found it really interesting. Um, the conversation didn't really go on much farther than that. We uh, shortly after moved back to Edmonton and kind of lost contact. Uh, until a month ago, Christina noticed that that neighbor uh, just made the decision to follow Christ. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, in 1 Corinthians 3, we read that our role here, when we bless, when we live this out, what we're doing, our role is to plant seeds and water them in the lives of everyone we live, work, study, and play with. That, that's, that's what this is about. It's actually, it's a radically ordinary and easy way for us to share the gospel in planting and watering seeds and loving those around us and intentionally investing in the relationships around us. That's what this is. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, who's the one that's gonna grow those seeds? Who's the one that's going to ultimately transform their affections and their life and, and, their, and, and all of who they are? It's, it's God. The Holy Spirit's gonna shift that in our hearts. But his method for doing that is through you and I. So friends, over this next year, I wanna challenge us all put this on our fridges or in our rooms, and let's commit to living a blessed-shaped life, to allowing this to be the way that we enter into and begin this new year. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening, and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.